Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. For some of us, we need to make room for God in our hearts. Because it's some junk in our lives. Let's just be real. There are some junk in our lives that need to go, and we should not take it with us in in 2020. We should not take it with us in the new year. God's saying saying to make some room so I can do a new thing in your life. It's very difficult to experience something new if you're still holding on to the old thing. So I want you to know, don't get upset with me. This is a challenging word that the Lord gave me, and he told me to share it with you. So you can't get upset with me. I'm just being obedient. You can't get upset at my obedience. Right? So the Lord said, make some room so I can move in your life, so I can do a new thing. This is what, in this story, what the, what the uh, woman was, was doing. She went and she told her husband, she's like, let's make room for the man of God. So whatever it takes, whatever you got to move around, just make some room for, for God. So that way he can just not just come in, but God, you can stay. You, you, you can stay. I'm going to set up a place in my life where you can just dwell and you can just stay so I can experience your presence all the time. Because, because she was saying Elisha was walking by regularly. So a lot of times we miss those moments of Jesus walking by our lives. And we don't take advantage. We don't stop and, and, and for a second and just say, come on, Jesus, come on in. Let, let, let's, let us deal with this issue that I'm having in my life. I want to get breakthrough in my life. I don't want to be the same again. But it's just Jesus is always approaching you with opportunities to get better, opportunities to have breakthrough, opportunities to be blessed. And we miss those moments. We must be aware of the presence of God in our lives. We must be aware of the presence of God. We must be aware of the presence of God. You have to be sensitive to the presence of God. You have to take time and just say, okay, God, come on in. But we need to make room. We need to make room for God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to make some room. Some people here is going to have a big year, 2020. God is challenging right now. Make some room for it. Make make some room for it. Because what I'm about to bless you with, you're not going to be able to contain it. So you need to make a little bit more room for me. are Are you with me? I don't know, that's kind of like shouting stuff right there. I don't know, because there's something is leaping in my spirit when the Lord's telling me to make some room. I'm all, I'm all ready for God. God, I, I get rid of everything. I don't need nothing. It's something about emptiness that, that, that blesses the, the, uh, the Lord. Are you with me? It's something about being empty that blesses God, that bless God. He loves leading us to empty places where we can lean on him. See, emptiness is a gift from the Lord. Emptiness tells us we have a need. Is it possible that you're not empty enough? If you feel like you don't, you, you feel like you don't sense the presence of God in your life, 
Could it be that your life is too crowded? Like you kind of get rid of some stuff? Like get rid of some old, old behaviors, some old habits, some old attitudes? Maybe they're in a way for God to do something new? Could it be if you're not experiencing the presence of God that something must be in the way? God is challenging us today. Make some room. Make some room for my glory. Make some room for my glory to settle down in your life. Make some room for my glory to settle in your heart. Make, make some room for my glory to settle in your situation. Settle in the impossible, because I'm going to make the impossible possible. Amen. So he says to make some room for my glory to settle in your life. And watch, I'll make a difference. Watch, you will get up brand new. Watch, I'll move some things around. I'll shake some things around. Amen. The enemy has nothing on you. By the time I get done with you, you look more like me. By the time I get done with you, you are walking at anointing. Amen. By the time I get done with you, you'll, you'll be healing every situation that you come into. Every, things will just be restored in your life. By the time I get done with you, people will see my glory in you and through you. Amen. Let God settle and invite him in so he can settle in your life. Only God can fill us. Do you know that? Fill us with good stuff, with spiritual stuff. Only God can do that. I'm going to wait for you guys to catch up with me. Amen. I'm going to wait for you to catch up. Amen. God said make some room. So how do we make some room? How do we make some room God. Well, first we need to identify what we need to move. And, and then we're going to learn how to move them. Are you going with me? Okay, so what, what do we need to move? So I'm going to give some examples, but you, you, know, you may have your own examples of things that God's challenging you to move, to make some room. So the first thing I have here is patterns Patterns that have played themselves over and over in your, in your life. Ah, they got to go. Let them go. They have to go. Tell somebody, let them go. Let them, let them go. Come on, it's the Spirit of God walking by your home, by your life every day, giving you an opportunity to change Giving you an opportunity to change. You know, the most dangerous people in the body of Christ are unchanged Christians. It's dangerous because they profess, they profess what they don't possess. He said, you know, they say, you know, uh, a blessed to those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. I'm a blessed person. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not because you're not living right. You're, you, you're professing what you don't possess. You know, it's those, that, those that hunger, those that hunger. So those, you're not part of those. You're not, you're not part of them. You're not, um, you're not part of them. Not them. You're not part of them. <laughs> no, no. Where's the fruit? It says, hung, the, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That means you're constantly chasing God. You're constantly chasing God. The most dangerous people in the body of Christ are, are, are unchanged Christians. Like we get, we get opportunities to change every day. Every day we should wake up new. 
right? But you have to do something. You have to do something to break the patterns. You have to do something different. The Lord is saying you must do something different in order to change. When, when, when God, uh, when Jesus approached the, the man with the withered hand, what did, he, what did he tell him? He had to do something. He says, come forth and stretch out your hand. So he had to do something different. Don't expect God to just zap you and heal you automatically without you doing something. Right? So some, some people want to get healed with God physically. Well, some, you have to go on a diet. You have to do a diet change. You have to exercise. You have to do something. Yes, God will heal you, but you got to do something as well. So you have to do something different. If you want to break cycles, you want to break patterns in your life, you must do something different. God will always require you to do something, do something the opposite of what you were doing. You want God to move, do, do, do something different. Do something different. Take some risk. Do something different. Say, God, I, all I need is, is you. I want to do something different in my life. We have to break those patterns in, in our lives. So may, maybe you keep having failed romantic relationships. Well, you got to do something different. Like you can't keep blaming them. <laughs> right? You somehow, at some point, you have to look at you. So yes, they play, I'm sure they, they played a major part in your failed relationships. But what about you? But it's your part, right? Are you, are, do you keep doing the same things? You see, if we don't learn from our mistakes, the enemy will. And he will keep bringing them up over and over again. Soon as you start having some success, here comes that same problem rising up again and you're like I thought I got rid of this thing I thought I got rid of this thing you can't just get rid of something through osmosis you literally have to do something you can't pray one time and this thing is gone you literally have to do something about it you have to do something so you don't repeat the cycles I hate repeating the same thing over and over again. It's one of my pet peeves. I am not perfect, but that's one thing that I, I, I refuse to, to go through the same situation again, over and over again. I need to get breakthrough from it. I can't say, I can't, I, I don't want anything to hold me back. It's like some, you have to do something different to break the cycle. Like, what are you doing differently now? What's, what's different in your life? Say, so if you're struggling with this one thing, Right? And it keeps repeating itself. Change the game. Change the game. Are you with me? I told, listen, don't, it's, it's not me. You get upset. I, like, I'm, we're still good. We're still friends. I'm still your pastor. Are we good? Come on. So something needs to change. Right? It's, it's like if you still have a bad attitude, like for 30, 40 years, And don't say people give you a bad attitude. I mean, I mean at some point, you got to say, like, okay, it's, it's got to it's gotta be me. See, bad attitudes keep us out of our promised land. 
it did with the Israelites, right? All they did was complain and murmur about any change, right? Anything that Moses came to them with, they were just like, they complained about everything. And they had miracles every day. And they were still complaining. Oh my goodness, what more can the Lord do for you? So they, they complained themselves out of the promised land. Don't complain yourself out of a promised land, uh, out of your own promised land. So complaining can hinder God's work in our lives. See, when Jesus went back to his hometown, people complained about him, being a carpenter's son and saying this and saying that. He could not do any work there. They couldn't recognize the presence of God. Because complaining, 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 because complaining was at the forefront. They could not recognize the presence of God. Are you going with me? If you have not yielded these attitudes to him, let the Holy Spirit move in and begin the process process of um, um, just delivering you, destroying this spirit of complaining. The spirit of complaining is, you know, it's unattractive to the Holy Spirit and to others. Like, it quenches the Holy Spirit. Like, the Honestly, the Holy Spirit's not going to stick around you if you keep complaining. Because the Holy Spirit desires to edify the name of God. So if you're not edifying the Lord, it's not going to stick around. The Holy Spirit's very sensitive. Amen? So complaining is like telling God he doesn't, he doesn't know what's best for you, and he doesn't care. Right? I know this is tough, but we got to talk about it. Have you ever met someone that complained about everything? They complain about the weather. It's like, I don't know. Where I came from, Connecticut, it's like in wintertime for six months. I came to Texas. I know you got to deal with the heat. Trust me, I know it's hot. But this time of year, this is like heaven. This is like great. People walk around like it's cold right now. It's not cold. Go to Connecticut. That's cold. I was one of them complaining about the weather all the time. It's too cold here. It's too cold, right? But you haven't met someone that just complains about everything that they're never, never happy. They even complain about their own sports team. But uh, usually they're Cowboy fans, so they, right? So you have to give them a pass because I don't blame them. Even God doesn't blame them. The Lord's like, oh, yeah, I don't listen. I, I give them grace over there complaining about the Cowboys. I mean, look at them. They're like horrible. Why, you know, let's give them a pass. So if you're a cowboy fan, it's okay. This does not apply to you. Keep complaining. They're horrible. <laughs> Amen. We need no deliverance. No, you're good. <laughs> but you got to understand this. I know this may be challenging, but I believe to the Lord, uh, complaining is petty to the Lord. Yeah, I know some people that don't read the book of Galatians, they read the book of Petty-lations. I mean, because the book of Galatians give you, uh, teaches you the fruit of the Spirit, t- deals with your attitude, right? They don't read that, they read the Petty-lations side. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So complaining, complaining, right, keeps us out of the promised land, keep us out of God's blessings for our lives. 
right? It's almost like we give it away. We give it to the enemy when we start complaining, right? We give our stuff away to, to other, give our blessings away to, to other people. I think that our, our bent towards having a complaining spirit is based on a misconception that the rest of the creation exists to make us happy. <laughs> yes. So we need to get to the root of the complaint. We need to get to the root of it. Right? So the Greek word translated complainer means literally the one who was discontented with his lot in life. So what it comes down to is like you're just not happy with life. Right? For some people, it's just not happy with life. See, complaining can be detrimental to, we just talked about it, peace, joy, and patience, right? That comes from the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's, can, complaining can be very destructive to our well-being, very constructive. It can be really exhausting. Like, it takes a lot of energy to complain. It could be exhausting to yourself, to others, and to God. It could just be exhausting. Like, what are you trying to say? What are you complaining about? So even when Adam, Adam complained when he sinned against God. Instead of taking responsibility, instead of looking at himself in the mirror, he says, God, you gave me this woman. This woman, <laughs> this woman just got this stuff from the tree, and she told me that this was good, and, and I ate it. But what about what God told you? What about what God told you, right? So you only profess what I said and, and not possess? So what about what God told you? See, making room usually requires letting go something to get something better. So sometimes we complain because we feel we should, uh, that our lives should be in a different place, right? So God is saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. If your life is truly in God's hands, if you completely surrender your life to God, your life is where, where you should be. You are, you are where you should be right now. And so God is saying that, look around you. There are blessings all around you. There are opportunities all around you. I'm walking by with opportunities all the time. Just take time, make some room, spend some time with me. I can show you something different. I can, I can, I can give you something better. Are we okay? If you hold on to what you think your life should be, you will never live the life you're destined to live. If you hold on to what you think your life should be, you will never live the life you're destined to live. Our life should be in God's hands. That means he is our shepherd. He guides us. He leads us. Right? He protects us. Right? He shows us things. He tells us what we ought to do. Right? So if our life is in God's hands, that means he has a better one than, than you think. He always has a better plan. We can never have a better plan for God, than, a better plan than God for our lives. He has a better plan. Trust him. Trust him. Allow him to lead you. Things will just work out. I love that my life is in God's hands. I don't know where I would be without the Lord being my shepherd. 
this is amazing of what I'm doing in my life right now. Like, I get to minister to you. Like, I get to do this. Now think about where I came from. God literally snatched me out, pulled me out of obscurity, and placed me on the right path. I was talking to my pastor the, the, the other day, and he was like, man, I'm so very, very proud of, of you and things that, um, things that you're doing. He said, well, who, he said, you know, we joke. He said, well, who knew? And I started laughing. But he says to me, he said, but I did. He says, but I did. And I, and I told him, I said, because you did, and my biggest passion is to pull greatness out of everyone else. Give other people opportunities to blossom. Put them in positions that they never thought that they would have. Raise people up to, to pastor and things like that. That is a great joy in my life, a great passion that I have in, in, in my life, right? So to be able to do that, it was done for me. And God called me to raise up rocks in this church. To raise up rocks in this church. Raise up rocks in this church. Amen? God is good. No, he's good. So God wants to break some of these patterns in our lives. These patterns that keep repeating itself. Amen? Keep repeating itself. So stop complaining. Do something different. Do something. When you feel the urge to complain, amen, read Galatians. <laughs> read Galatians. Get the fruit of the Spirit in you. Read it over and over again until you actually walk in it. Amen? When you have that urge to complain, it's like, nope, nope, because the enemy likes to bring up stuff, yeah. right? He's a better gossiper than we are, right? So he'll start gossiping and saying about so-and-so and, and this and that and wants you to join, join in on it, and you just start complaining. It's like, nope, nope. I'm not, I'm walking into my promised land. I'm walking into my promised land because we cannot walk into a promised land with faith and complaining at the same time. You, in order to walk into a promised land, you must walk in with faith. You have to be in the season of faith in your life. I'm walking in faith and not complaining. You see, we have, it's, it's, it's power in, in, in our tongues, amen, so we can kill something or we can raise something up because God said that Jesus, we have the same power that Jesus, that rose Jesus from the dead, so that means we can raise some dead things up and that means we can bury some things as well. We can kill a thing. So if you want to walk in your promised land, guard your tongue. We ought to guard our tongues. Because you can't walk in faith and complaining at the same time. Oh, I know some of you are looking at me. Uh, and, uh. So another pattern that plays itself over and over in some people's lives it's woundedness. We've all been hurt, but real success in life is determined not by our circumstance, but how we, how we face them. Hmm. See, God calls us to forgive. I know, it's something we never want to talk about, right? Forgiveness, here it goes, forgiveness again. Forgiveness, forgiveness. We were actually talking about this during uh, a servant circle, and I just smiled 
uh, uh, Raja was talking about forgiveness, I was just like, yeah, Lord, I know that you're confirming it because it's difficult talking about forgiveness, uh, unforgiveness, unforgiveness. See, God calls us to forgive no matter how much pain we endure when we, when we are portrayed, disrespected, violated, or overlooked. God wants to wipe away our tears. He wants to wipe away our tears, but he can't heal you if you hate the people that hurt you. He can't heal you if you hurt, if, if you hate the people that hurt you. I love what and Jesus challenged uh, uh, Peter, and Peter's always the one that says stuff, right? Always brings something, something up. Peter is the really busy one out of all the disciples. He's, just, he's always had something to say, and he's talked about, like, you know, how often that you, sh you should forgive and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is like 70 times 70, like in a day. It's like, oh, my. <laughs> like in one day, 70 times 70. Like we struggle with one. We struggle with one time. Like 70 times 70. So you know forgiveness is important to Jesus, right? It's, it's very important to Jesus. So, so God wants to wipe away your tears. He wants to heal you, but you can't hate the people who hurt you. Forgiveness is a choice and not a feeling. You're never going to feel like forgiving someone because they hurt you. So you're all up in your feelings, right? So you're never going to feel like forgiving. That's not what, what God is tell, telling us, to feel like forgiving someone. He says, make a choice to. That's powerful. Make a choice to forgive them. Right? Don't wait until you have this warm, fuzzy feeling. You know what? Today, today I wake up, I feel like forgiving somebody. You know, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. No, you're never gonna, you're never going to feel that way. Make the decision to love anyway, and the feelings will come later. So God is saying, let my people go. God is going to cause a prison break, right? You know those people that you, you keep locked up in your, uh, your prison? The people, you, God's going to break, break them out. He's saying that, let my people go. Let my people go, right? So when he sent Moses, he sent Moses to uh, Pharaoh to say that to let him go, when Pharaoh didn't let him go, it caused a curse on his life. Bunch of bugs and stuff like that came to him. It's like he, I mean, it was a curse on his life. Amen. I don't want a curse. I don't want any bugs coming in my house or just lice. I don't care what it was. I don't want any of that stuff. So I, I want to forgive. Like, I, at least I'm going to make the choice. I may not feel like forgiving someone, but I'm going to make the choice because I'm be looking at, like, well, make sure something don't come my way. I don't want a curse on my life. See, see forgiveness can be a curse. Why? It's, it's because you are stuck with those people. If you don't forgive someone, you don't let them go. And then they have control over you. Trust me, they do. Unforgiveness can be 
a heavy weight. It can affect us spiritually, mentally, and physically. Unforgiveness, it can be very detrimental to our peace. Think about it. If you keep holding on to those individuals, they're just taking your peace all the time. And you have no room for new relationships because those, re those relationships become like the others. So you don't even feel, you don't have the energy. You're too exhausted to build new relationships. And you're like, you always go through life, and you know, people get a kick out of saying that, you know, it's hard for me to trust people. Do you know that's a major issue? That means you don't even give people the opportunity to, dis, uh, to distrust or to mistrust. How do you say it? Come on, whatever, yes. I mean, you got it, right? You don't even give people an opportunity. How would you know? I believe in divine connections, divine connections, because God's always sending you divine people in your life for you to connect with, to do life with. Life is not designed for us to do it alone. So for the fact that you say you don't trust people is really a reflection on your trust with God. You're really saying that you don't trust God, that God can't send you the right people in your life? That's not a God problem. That's a you problem. So when you have all this offense all up in you and all that, there's no room for anything new. No new people. No new opportunities. Because if you get those new opportunities, some way, somehow, you're going to bump into people. You're going to have to develop a relationship with them, and you would just sabotage it. Because it's, it's too, it's tiresome. It's just too exhausting. You're just dragging people along with you. And they have all this control in your life, all this control over your life. It's, it can be very exhausting. God is saying that let those people go. Let them go. Stop carrying those people along with you. They are dead weights. Release them. It's very difficult to do that. Come on, grab, come stand up. Stand up. Grab, grab her hand. Grab her hand. Grab her hand. Grab her hand. Grab his hand. So if I don't forgive people, I'm going to walk through life like this. That's a big dude. <laughs> so I'm going to walk through life feeling stuck. I'm going to get tired because not only I have to pull him with me, I got to pull her because I didn't forgive her. I got to pull her because I didn't forgive her. I have to pull him and grab her hand behind you. Grab her hand behind you. Grab Mary's hand behind you. Then I didn't forgive her. Then grab somebody else's hand. I didn't forgive her. Grab somebody else's hand. I didn't forgive her. And I didn't forgive him. And so I'm so all of these individuals, right, I need to drag in life with me. It's too exhausting because as at some point, you're going to visit me, then you're going to visit me, then you're going to visit me, and you're going to visit me, and you're going to visit me, and you're going to visit me. I get too tired to meet some new people in my life that God sent me, so God pass, passes me by every day, opportunity to forgive, and I don't recognize new people in my life that is divine and is sent for a purpose because I'm dragging all these people around me. Get rid of me. Break the cycle in your life. Just forgive 
choose to forgive. Choose it. Forgiveness is a choice. You must choose to forgive. You must choose. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. And I'm not trying to be insensitive to the process of healing, the process of forgiveness. But it's so I always challenge people. They say, you know, Pastor, uh, forgiveness is a process. I know it's only a process when you start the process. And some people just like, you know, I, you, know, uh, you know, I'm just going to wait for the right time to forgive that person. No, you have to make the choice first, right? And I truly believe this, that you have to give a forgiveness, get a forgiveness partner. Someone to keep you up accountable of that process. Like, how are you doing with forgiving so-and-so? How are you doing forgiving yourself? How are you doing for, for forgiving the situation that you were in? How are you doing with that? Keep yourself accountable because you, God will send you people, divine people in your life that hold you accountable to forgive, to let go. Because why? They see the promise in God's life. They see where you're going. They see something in you and they want you to move in that direction. But you can't bring those people with you. Don't bring them into 2020. At least say, I'm going to make a choice to forgive them. I'll make a choice to forgive them and God will do the rest. I'm going to let them go, God. I'm going to let them go. They, not, they can't come with me in 2020. All their baggage just go right now. You have no more control over me. I'm released. I am free. I'm going to walk into 2020 with some a new attitude, with some new opportunities. I am not going to sabotage any opportunity. I break the pattern. I break the cycle right now in the name of Jesus because I choose to. Because I choose to. Because I choose to. Are you with me? Come on. God is good. I want you to say this prayer with me. Can you say this prayer with me? God, I am tired of dragging this heavy load around with me. I choose to forgive. I'm ready to let go so I can get on with my life and experience a new level of relationships with you and others Help me, Help me know that you love me, you love me. and that you, will work everything out for my good. and that you will work everything out for my good. Come on, give him some praise. Okay, okay, so we identify some things, right, that we need to move to make some room for God's glory in our life. We identify some things. And some things God hopefully is revealing to you that you need to, to, to move, move aside, to um, get rid of, so that way you don't bring it with you in 2020. So right, so now, now, so you might be saying, so how do I let things go if my feelings about it won't go away? How do I let it go? I know we talked about making a, a choice to do that, but sometimes we get wrapped up in our feelings. So how do we do it if we still have feelings attached to it? And, and the Lord revealed this to me. He says, allow your heart to be a resting place for him. Allow your heart to be a resting place for God. Isaiah 66, 1 says, true worship and false. Oh, no, that's not what it says. That's something else. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? House can mean your heart. And where is the place of my rest? 
where can God rest? Can he rest in your heart? Right? God is saying, where is my resting place? But can I rest here? God is looking for men and women who hear, obey, follow, and have the desire to please him. So it can be a resting place for him. A, pers- a, a people who hear and obey when he speaks, who follow the truth he reveals and have a sweet, holy desire to please him. This, our lives be- become a resting place for him. Ask God to dwell in your heart. Ask God to, be, to, to rest in your heart. Have his glory rest in your heart. Be specific, like what areas in your life that God needs to rest on? What areas that you need more of God with? What areas that you're trying to get rid of? What patterns in your life that you need God to break in your life? Just tell him, just say, God, I choose to break the patterns. Rest in my heart. Rest, rest in my heart. So when you do that, do these three things, and then we're going to wrap it up. Do these three things. Don't dwell on the past. Focus on what is in front of you. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 said, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, in the rivers, in the desert. So it says to forget about the former things means we don't dwell on it. That's all it means. We know it's there, but don't dwell on it. Dwell on something you give life to it. We know it's there. The offense is there. It happened. God knows it. He's saying that don't dwell on it because I'm trying to do a new thing, right? So he re- he's trying to replace that pain with peace, right? So he's trying to do an exchange. He's saying that don't dwell. Don't dwell on it. That means don't meditate on it. Don't relive it in your mind. And the second thing you do, second thing you do, I love this, reflect. Reflect on the expectations of being Christ-like, right? So when you, especially when you have unforgiveness in your heart, right, um, it says in Matthew 5, 7, it says, blessed are those, blessed are, are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, right? Blessed are those, so they will obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, So when you have mercy on others, mercy never runs out. So when you have mercy on others, you will receive mercy. God's saying that my my goodness and mercies are new every day. So when you start, when you give mercy to others, his, his mercies are new, fresh and new every day for you. Every day. You have to sow mercy so you have to be merciful. So a lot of times, so don't expect God to be merciful if you're merciless. He says, blessed are those, I mean, not those, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So if you practice mercy, mercy will never run out. It would never run out. And then the third thing, third and last thing, be intentional. 
Be intentional. It's about moving. Be intentional about moving forward. Right? Be intentional about getting rid of the past. Just move forward. Right? This mercy is a new every day. Jesus is passing by every day with opportunities in our life. Just be intentional. Be intentional about moving forward. Be intentional. So make some room. That's what he's saying. Make some room for me because some new things are happening in your life. Make some room. Clear out some of that junk. Get rid of that. all the clutter in your life. What, I need to do a new thing. Be intentional. Move some things around. Don't go, don't go to 2020 with the same things. Philippians, Philippians 3 12 and through um, and 13 says, press toward the goal, it says. It said, not that I've already attained, I am already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself, have apprehended, but the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward a goal of, for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. You cannot be looking backwards and forward at the same time. Be intentional about moving forward. Be intentional about moving forward. Take the initiative to be kind to others. Take the initiative to, to sow mercy to others. We're God's children. We shouldn't walk around angry. Don't say it's righteous anger. If you ruin a relationships, it's not righteous anger. If you're arguing all the time with your spouse, it's not righteous anger. Mercy. If you sow mercy, you receive Mercy. Are you with me? We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.